Hey everyone, and welcome to the Everyday PM Podcast. My name is Ann Campia. I will be your main host for today. And joining me is Ryan Myers. Ryan, welcome. Hey Ann, thanks, glad to be here and thanks for having me on. So Ryan, uh, today, uh, for those that are joining us for the first time on the Everyday PM Podcast, we talk about project management related topics, project management principles, and really how do you apply that to your everyday life? Today's topic is uh, of interest to me and I think of to you, and which is why we wanted to talk about today, which is scope creep, uh, which I kind of just love that term in general because it's, it's very specific uh, to what it actually means. But before we dive right into the topic, Ryan, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, what you do for a living? Sure. Uh, yeah, uh, I work at a digital agency here in Southern California called Haven Agency, um, and I'm the operations manager and senior project manager. Um, we work on uh, digital stuff like obviously websites, um, sweepstakes, different types of promotions for companies. Um, some of our clients are uh, Wizards of the Coast, Live Nation, um, Bethesda, Blizzard, a lot of gaming stuff, um, which has actually been very, very beneficial during COVID since everyone's at home playing games all the time. So yeah, um, yeah. so I'm, I'm in charge of day-to-day uh, managing uh, project managers, making sure they have the right resources. And then for myself, I'm also managing my own projects. Awesome. Well, I'm super excited to have you to talk about this particular topic. I imagine with all of the projects that you laid out, especially those tech heavy kind of digital projects um, related to web services and things like that, that scope creep would probably be uh, something that you have to deal with quite frequently. So for those that aren't aware of what scope creep is, by definition, the uh, project management body of knowledge describes it as adding additional features or functions of a new product requirements or work that is not authorized, i.e. beyond the agreed upon scope. Now to me, Brian, that's a nice and professional way of saying you've added crap to my scope that I didn't anticipate. And now you want me to do it within the budget and the time that we had already allocated. And how do you do that? How would you describe scope creep in terms of your particular day-to-day? What would be your definition for it? Um, I mean, you, the, the way they describe it is technically what it is. Um, but yeah, uh, in our projects, typically scope creep is uh, the client realized they needed something that they didn't originally scope out or think about. Um, a lot of times we try to help them, you know, they come to us with like, oh, no, we want a website, you know, to promote this. And we'll go over like what they're looking for and all that, but there's always something that nobody thought of on their side and they'll come to us hopefully in the beginning, but most of the time it's not. Most of the time it's toward the end um, and they try to squeeze in more things before like a site launch or a promotion. Um, and yeah, they just try to fit some kind of new page or functionality or, um, hey, we need to add languages now to this website. We, we thought it would only be English. Now it has to be in 10 other languages and we have a yeah. week to do it. So yeah. yeah, it's basically they're just adding on to the original scope of the project. Um, sometimes it's not too bad. Other times it is quite a bit. And, and I think, you know, you bring up a good point. It's change is inevitable in, a, in any project, right? And so uh, I hate to say it, but scope creep is also an, an inevitable part of 
being a project manager and working on a project. So then it comes becomes the question of when this scope expands, the actual true definition of scope creep is that it's features or requirements that were added that were unauthorized. So if the scope is expanding, but all of the features that the client is asking for are approved, then per the definition, technically it's not scope creep. To me though, in terms of the, what I have experienced and you let me know what you think about this is unapproved or approved, I still see all of the added features as scope creep if we are not able to, one, accommodate the additional scope with an expanded budget, two, increase the resources to work on the, ex the expanded scope, and or three, be able to adjust the timeline to accommodate the additional scope. To me, if neither of those three points moves, then that's scope creep to me. What do you think? Yeah. And, and to go back to it, not all scope creep is not always bad. There have been obviously times where change is good, where we go a different direction with something and it is very beneficial. So it's not a hundred percent of the time a bad thing, but yes, to me, scope creep is, is what you said. Um, there's things that you can't change. A project is due at a certain time. Um, money budget is agreed upon ahead of time and resources are allocated according to the budget. So if you add more work, then one of those things has to be adjusted. So if a project can't move dates, then yeah, you have to add more resources, which in turn increases budget. So yeah, anything that requires timeline to be adjusted in any way is to me the definition of scope creep. Yeah, so then, you know, I, I'm gonna call out some of these uh, citations from uh, this PMI article on scope creep. They uh, have a list of LinkedIn colleagues who have cited the reasons for scope creep. And you tell me, I, I want you to react to these because okay. I'm, I'm reading this list and I'm actually kind of smiling to myself because this is all too real here. Okay, so the first reason that's cited is lack of clarity and depth to the original specification document. It seems to me in all of the uh, articles that I've seen published on this topic, that tends to be the number one reason for scope creep to occur is that the original specifications did not include what inevitably came up later in the project as an added feature requirement. Has this happened to you? Or do you agree with this reason, Ryan? Yeah, I agree. Um, one of the biggest things when I, you know, when I first started project managing was when you talk to like a client or customer or whatever, and you start trying to scope out the project, you try to get as much information as possible from them for what they're looking to do. But inevitably, a lot of times they don't even know what they want. They know they want a product or a website and they know they want to get a lot of traffic and make a lot of money from it, but they don't know how to go about it. So as you get more experience, I've learned like you just ask as many questions as possible. And like, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, what are you, what do you have towards this? Like if they say, you know, I want to have a really cool flashy website. Cool. Who's making all of the flashy things for you? Mm -hmm. um, because you'd be surprised how many times we get to a point where we we built a project and we go to them to be like, okay, uh, where's all the assets? And they give us all the assets and they're not good. 
And then yep. we're like, well, that's what you guys were in charge of the assets. So now we have to rope in designers and stuff. So yeah, the getting the scope right is really like a fine art. And even then there's still things that get left out. So uh, yeah, the scope is like the most important starting point, especially when you want to make sure everyone is, you know, agreed upon the, the budget, the timeline, like the client side, the, like my side, the developers know exactly what they're supposed to do. So I can give correct estimates and stuff. So yeah, gain that initial scope is the, the bear, like that, that's what you need to do first. And I think you bring up such a great point about the, oftentimes the clients we work with don't know exactly what they want to have as the output of the project which is fair, right? I think the, 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 the kind of real life experience that we can attribute it, that to is if, for example, you are, uh, let's say planning a wedding or renovating a house, you know, you've hired, for example, a, uh, a team to do the renovations on your house. You don't quite know exactly as the client what you want in the design of the house, but you want it to look amazing, right? You, you get these kind of like very overarching broad stroke words of, I want the project to be uh, beautiful, you know, like, but yeah. what does that actually mean by definition? Yep. And then if you're, if you're talking about something like planning a wedding and you've hired a wedding planner, I think that's probably the closest thing I would say from like a real life experience that would be applicable to what you're talking about from a work and a professional side, which is, um, I've seen way too many things on TV where the bride doesn't know what she actually wants. She just wants a fantastic, expensive wedding, right? So yep. she knows that she wants to spend an absorbent amount of money. Um, she knows what color she wants. She may know exactly what dress she wants and what her, her bridesmaids, she wants them to wear. But inevitably, even in planning a wedding, you're going to get oh, well, I didn't think about, you know, um, gifts for the groomsmen, or I didn't think about, you know, what I wanted the flowers to exactly be wrapped in. So there's, there's all of these other elements that when the client comes into a project, they kind of have grandeurs of what they expect the output to be. But to get them to articulate it, and as you as a project manager, be able to tease that out from the client is to your point, a very very expertise like fine art part of what we do as project managers and it's not easy and every client is different so i think i also tend to agree that lack of clarity and depth to the original specification document that has to be one of the top reasons for why scope creep happens um i'll, I'll read off like one or two more because i think this one's pretty good which is Customers trying to get extra work on the cheap and on the cheap is in quotations. Mm -hmm. That made me laugh a little bit, but it's true, right? I think when you have kind of unmanaged contact between the client and your team, there's going to be conversations that happen maybe in silos of, hey, the marketer talked to the designer and they wanted this thing to be pink. And now all of a sudden the designer is going back into the scope of the project and making everything pink, like, because there was a conversation in the hallway about it you know without going through the project manager to see does that require more people does that require more time or does that require more budget so here it is kind of creeping into the scope of your project I mean what do you think about customers trying to get extra work on the cheap has that happened to you before 
yeah um not it doesn't happen all the time but yeah there there's times where they'll you know try to get extra revisions done or be like well we, we want another page but it's mostly like something you've already done so if you could just do another version of it with like a couple small adjustments it's like yeah but that's more work that's that's not that that's new stuff that was not what was agreed upon and you know um also like you're saying like uh, uh someone talking in the hall or or going around we, we've had issues where uh, clients will like email someone directly and ask for a change and kind of go over the pm um not not in a in a in a bad way but just something like thinking maybe they could just it's quicker that way um mm-hmm. but, but that does happen where um uh, a developer or a designer will be like hey uh such and such just hit me up and wanted me to do this did they i always tell them if a client ever hits you up directly make sure you ask me if i talk to them or not because in the past i've had issues where the uh, uh, client made like direct requests to other people and i didn't know about it so and then when i go to look at stuff i'm like why is this different like oh it's okay i only spent like half a day on it i'm like well the half a day wasn't approved it wasn't agreed upon so now we're kind of giving away free free work so sure. yeah, it, yeah it does happen and it's and it's you know it's like i said you just have to make sure you're aware of it and your team is aware of it and make sure everyone's on the same page so yeah and to your point you know oftentimes it is unintentional it's just like hey wouldn't it be nice if we added this to the front page like you were saying and uh there's no in in most cases there's no kind of like manipulative manipulative uh, or intent into trying to like sneak in um additional features to the the project but that's where we can kind of come in and play that cop role of supervising you know the conversations and making sure that we put data in front of our our project team so they understand hey yeah you might have committed to adding this extra thing but it's going to result in this and 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 that's that's really what we do and that's to me i think that's the value part of the value add of having a pm managed project is we can be that person who sees all of those data points that feed into what is actually going to happen to the project if you allow scope creep yeah pming is basically like parenting you have to make sure all the kids are doing what they're supposed <laughs> to do so and and like making sure they don't fight each other and all that stuff so yeah right. you just got to make sure the team's working well and everyone knows what they're doing and yeah it's a it's an interesting job i always tell people some people think it's oh your pm that might be kind of boring i'm like it's never really boring but there is a lot of managing egos and stuff so yeah yeah absolutely um talk about you mentioned it earlier and i wanted to come back to that is scope creep sounds like such a negative word right scope creep people kind of cringe because to me i think it's it's almost a reaction as a pm because most of our experiences do result in some sort of change and change is it's hard it, it is hard even as a pm to manage you're you're constantly managing change right um and then you uh, immediately remember all the things involved in a change which is just a kind of a spiraling effect of having to communicate to stakeholders having to adjust timelines having to relook at budgets and resources etc so there's a lot of work that goes into a change but you talked about it earlier in terms of scope creep isn't necessarily a negative thing it can actually be a positive thing for a project so um what what do you what did you mean by that yeah, so sometimes I think when the initial scopes laid out, like I said, like they 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 know in theory what they want, but when you actually realize what they're asking for or what they're looking for, 
sometimes it's not very well thought out as far as like the approach to it. So I'll give an example. So uh, one of our projects um, over the last couple of years, actually, um, when it first came to us, it started off as just like a, a, a typical website where the content comes in, it doesn't change very often. Um, and, you know, they'll give us, you know, assets and stuff and we'll update it. Um, and, you know, developers have to put in, you know, update images and code and stuff like that, um, typically with like a static website. Um, so a client came to us, asked for a static website. Um, as we're building it, they start talking about what they're actually thinking of doing in the future. Um, and this would be constant content changes mm -hmm. and diff moving stuff around on pages and stuff like that. So basically, instead of a static website, they want like a modular responsive website with like a content management system. So instead of them coming to us to do all content updates and me having to go to the developer, make a ticket to track the changes, we make the changes. I let the client know it's changed with a content management system. Either they can make all the changes themselves or even the PM can make the changes and I don't have to rope in developer. So knowing that probably two weeks into like a two month build was very helpful because if we would have waited until the build was done, we would have had to start it all over. Yep. So just, just kind of starting it, realizing it, what they're doing, talking to them more about the content and like the cadence on which they're updating things. And then I've suggested, well, are you guys sure you want to be doing your content this way where you have to email me to change something and it takes a long time? Like how quickly do you want your stuff to be changed they're like oh you know within like a few minutes I'm like well then there's no way you're going to be able to email me to have a developer change stuff so eventually with the requests and stuff we changed it out and scope creep in this case actually turned out to work in everyone's favor because the site's been running for two years and i think uh, there have been over four four thousand changes wow. with content with content so copy assets and stuff so yeah, like in this case, the scope creep actually was a benefit because in the long run, this worked out better for their side and for us um, to maintain it and update it for them. And I think that's definitely a testament to your skill set as a project manager to be able to have teased that out early enough in the project when you still have the time and the budget to afford a change like that, right? Um, I'm looking through a list of the Stakeholders, what did they say this is? The people involved who actually causes scope creep. Um, it mentions team members and kind of how we talked about like those, you know, side hall conversations that, that, that tend to happen that um, scope creep is a result of internal stakeholders that could be senior management that's asking for change um, uh, very late into the project. You've got your end users who uh, with every release, you know, could give feedback, which would inevitably cause the scope to um, change and maybe things to be reprioritized. But then you get to you, you as the yeah. project manager, <laughs> you know, um, uh, outside of the client, because we talked about that already a little bit, but you as the project manager can also be the, the person pushing the scope group into your original scope. And um, the example you just gave is, is the perfect one of you identified early enough you raise the issue that, you know, if we do this now, we can, we can actually make the client happier in the long run because ultimately that's what they wanted with something that would be a, a longer lasting, right? Um, than what the original scope was. So, the fact that you're able to identify that early enough um, 
when it's an opportune time to do it when you're not over time or over budget, I think you can also be um, a big reason why the scope creep would be introduced. But in, in that sense, it was in a much more positive manner uh, and it worked out well for everybody. I think the other piece that they talk about in this article is um, depending on your structural organization uh, or organizational structure, sorry, I can't talk today. Um, you may actually function, if you're a PM on a project, you may actually also function as the analyst, meaning you're also in charge of gathering the requirements, right? Understanding what the scope is for the client, uh, mapping that out into a plan. And I've seen that role. I think you function in, in a very hybrid type role. I function in it as well, where I don't have a business analyst who's putting together the requirements for the initial scope and everything that that entails. That's on us to do that. And I will be the first to fall on the sword and say, like I have in previous projects and the projects that you remember always is because I have missed estimations. I have underestimated uh, timelines. I have um, underestimated resources. I can remember um, also thinking we could find efficiencies in certain areas of the process, in which case, you know, data proved that I was wrong about that estimation. So there's this type of, um, there's always going to be this, uh, what do you call it, ownership that goes back to the PM. No matter what caused the scope creep, you as the PM always feel like you are part of the reason why. Uh, I personally always feel like I'm part of the reason why, even though it could have been something very much outside of my control. I think that just inherently goes into what we do, right? Yeah, I was gonna say, at the end of the day, all the fingers kind of point to the PM. <laughs> no matter, the, no matter the, the issue, like they come to us to figure out a solution or why, what happened. But to go back to what you said, like I'm 100% guilty of scope creep myself, especially when I first started PMing stuff. Like you're saying, not being able to estimate, you know, timing correctly or resources or, you know, not realizing what the client said, even though you really should have realized it. Um, that's one thing like, you know, I would always refer back to like the original scope and I just like, oh, they did want this or, oh, mm -hmm. they did mean that. And then right. I have to go to the team and be like, yeah, guys, I kind of screwed up. I, we may have to do some changes. So like, I'm, I'm guilty of that as well. So, and that's just something like you said, comes with experience. So um, it does, it does. And once you feel it, it, it does not a great feeling. No, it's, so no, it's not. <laughs> you definitely try to avoid yeah. it at all costs, but look, yeah. it's, it's, we, we as project managers have to manage so much and there's so much information you know in in our heads on projects and sometimes multiple projects that stacked on top of each other that it will inevitably happen it's, it's how you react to it and how you kind of keep your composure as a pm and are able to be honest to your team about you know this is a miss on my part i think that's much more respected than trying to pull the hero mentality and trying to kind of brush it under the rug or trying to hide it and in the data of the project and not let your team know that hey you fucked up or or i i didn't catch this at the beginning so um i think the more honest we can be about those misses i think it's it's actually builds for a stronger team and stronger communication yeah and, and i'm yeah being honest and transparent especially with the client but internally as well is i that's just all to me that's the only way to go you're not going to get in you're not going to get in trouble by telling the truth. And like, if, if there's an issue, I always 
mention it as soon as I notice because it does no good to sit on it and wait and hopefully it gets I always just give updates like the communication needs to be open and being honest and truthful is I've dealt with other PMs that aren't that way and I do not enjoy working with them as much as someone that's truthful so yeah agreed agreed so then to kind of wrap up this topic topic we wanted to talk a little bit about communication right so scope creep happens uh you get some asks coming from the client let's say uh how do you suggest as a pm you manage scope creep how do you manage the communication the conversations um also how do you negotiate back you know and and give yourself the opportunity to negotiate what uh the what the scope creep is going to be for your project so the I always list, I don't always, because um, sometimes when you hear requests in your head, you're like, there's no way, you've got to be joking me. <laughs> um, but I am, I always listen and I'm very optimistic. I try to, you know, be like, okay, what, 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 what are you guys looking to do? Get as much of the requirements from them as possible. And one thing I've learned very early is never promise anything. Just be like, get the information. Be like, okay, I'm gonna, now I'm gonna go meet with my team and review everything and see what they think. Because if you say, yeah, this is doable, but let me go check, they will hold that against you a lot of the time. So I always say, always, I never commit on the first request. I say, okay, let me get the information, go back to my team, and then I'll meet with the team and I'll say, okay, here's their request. How long, of, you know, how long do you think this would take, or what's all involved that I'm not thinking about as far as like, you know, oh, we needed, you know, a couple of days of development, a couple of days of design, QA, such and such. Okay, so it's four days. Okay, so I'll look at the project outline, the schedule. To see where we're at in the process and i'll say okay do we have any time between now and launch to squeeze four days in here or however long it would be um, looking at what's currently in process how far we are and, and and i like most pms you know we tend to pad stuff a little bit um just to have some wiggle room on things so i'll look to see if there's any way this can fit in there um, and also look at budget see if there's any money available for this um, and then I'll go back to the client and be like, okay, you know, it takes this amount of time, this amount of budget, and we think we can fit it in um, in this this time frame. If there's no time available, then the fun part happens where you have to go to the client and be like, be real, be real, a realist with them, and be like, you know, we have X amount of days left. We don't have four extra days. Is is this change? You know, if we're not moving launch is this change relevant enough where we can move something else out of scope and fit this in? Um, And at that point, you know, sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll be like, well, we'll do this after. And that's my favorite response. We'll do it after because then I know we have time to do it after and it's more work in general. So that's always good. But yeah, um, yeah, it's just trying to find somewhere to fit it in. And if it's not, that something that is in the original scope has to be removed um, out or they got to, increased budget so I can bring more resources in to do this on the side, which sometimes they do, but sometimes the budget is like locked. They have no, no availability to do that. So, but I always try to work with them and be honest um, with the choices and try to give them a few options if possible and not just like one or yes or no kind of a thing. And typically in my experience, that has worked well with the clients that we've worked with. Yeah, absolutely. A thousand 
million percent agree. That's not even a real number or percentage, but <laughs> you, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. It's it's about doing the, your due, due diligence as a project manager to supply the person that is asking for the scope to change with the data to support what the right decision should be for the project, right? And, and inevitably, if that's that means you have to present multiple options, and have them choose from an a la carte menu, uh, your role as a project manager is to be able to do that. Uh, dig into the estimations, dig into what needs to be true, dig into uh, whether there needs to be a change to your budget resources, timeline, or something else uh, that, needs yeah. to, that needs to be adjusted in order to accommodate um, the requested change. Um, but look at scope creep as an opportunity, uh, really an opportunity to uh, adjust the project to be better suited for whomever is asking for the change, um, but also be honest and help that client or stakeholder realize that the change may come with a trade-off or the change may come at a given cost. And are you willing to make that sacrifice to the timeline or are you willing to expend extra budget against the, the scope creep whatever it may be just empower them with the data to help them um, make decisions that they want to make against that given project so I think you said it much more eloquently than me Ryan but uh, really it's 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 utilizing what we're here to do right which is we're here to manage the project. We're here to magic manage expectations. We're here to manage scope creep and the communication about how to negotiate whether or not you move forward with the scope expanding or not as a result of that. And really we are the orchestrators of all of that information. And the best we can do is empower uh, our stakeholders with the data to support whatever decision it is they wanna make. Um, so I think if there's, do you have any other thoughts on this particular topic, Ryan? Uh, I, I think we covered a lot of it. Um, it's like, like we're talking about, it's just, you just learn as you go and you do like, uh, I've was never really, I'm still not a great talker, but I've come a long way in this job. Just the communication is like the major thing. So you just start to talk a lot and, and, and being able to like translate from you know, one team to another team because they don't always know what other teams are talking about. So um, it, PM is a great way to talk a lot. I'll just say that. <laughs> if you, uh, yeah. And I think that's, that's probably a great segue into a topic for another uh, podcast, which is there are different types of project managers, right? And that, that will skew the way that you communicate that will also skew the way you look at scope creep. It probably will, yeah. right? If you were a tech PM versus a non-technical PM, that could probably change this entire conversation. So I, I love that topic. I think that's a fantastic segue. And Ryan, if you want to join me for that future podcast, please do. But I think this has been um, a great opportunity for us to connect, I think, as you and I are friends, but we've never connected as professional peers in this in this realm. So this was a lot of fun for me to hear kind of your perspective on this particular topic. So Ryan, um, thank you so much for joining me on the Everyday PM podcast. If folks want to follow you, are you on LinkedIn or any other social media that they can do that? Yeah, um, I'm on LinkedIn, um, Ryan Myers, um, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram, um, RYMyers25. And yeah, I'm happy to be on here and talk with you not just 
BSing about Lakers or something else, actually talking about adult stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do have to apply some things to everyday life, so we'll figure For out sure. how to tie in the Lakers to Scope Creek in the future. Episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, everyone, thank you guys so much for joining us on the Everyday PM podcast. You can find this podcast on Anchor. You can also access the podcast, the blog, and any other uh, information about myself and the services that I have to offer on the everydaypm.com. You can follow me. My name is Ann Campia on LinkedIn. I'm also on social media as well under that name. So that will do it for this week's uh, installment of the Everyday PM podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And until next time, take care. Mm-hmm.